This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Merry Christmas, and it's soon to be a very happy new year to you. Thanks so much for tuning in because I've got a conversation with a local fella, a fella from just up the road, as a matter of fact. It's rare that I have an opportunity to chat to someone from Brisbane and Queensland in general, but I do in this instance. Jesse Nikolik, he's the guitarist and frontman in regular Gonzalez. The reason for the conversation is due to the launch of their album. It's been out for a month or so now, and it's titled Beige Alert. In this conversation, we deep dive into Jesse's, I would say it's a considerable technique that he wields there on the guitar. I'm digging what I'm hearing there. It's part Tom Morello, part refused, part some other stoner grind stuff. And uh, if you like that type of guitar playing, there's plenty of it here on display. So before we get to the chat, let's have a listen to a tune. And the one I've selected is titled World's Weight, taken from the album Beige Alert. Let's go.
let's have a chat about this album of yours, Powerful Beige. Um, <laughs> yeah, the beige alert. <laughs> How long has it been out for now? So it came out on November 19th, so what's that, a bit over a month now, yeah. What's reaction been like? Is it? I know you've been around for some time doing what you're doing. You've, you're, uh, you're a 4 Z alumni. You've been played on there a fair bit. So has the reception been what you hoped? It's, look, you, the reception that we've received has been like overwhelmingly positive, and I'm you know, very grateful for that. Um, I'm a bit of a um, – I'm going through a thing at the moment where I'm comparing – what we're achieving to other people, which is never a good idea because, mm. you know, you'll never be happy with, you know, comparing yourself to the best of social media, you know? Oh, God. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a hard cycle to break. Um, but, no, like, if I really think about it, like, um, yeah, it's such, an, it's such a welcoming uh, response. Uh, like, the album launch we did, uh, all our friends were there. It was a great vibe. Like, yeah, it's it's been really good. Um, you know, it's just the nature of the musician you know you always <laughs> you always want more but yeah. I'm, ver- I'm very happy with um yeah with what people have been saying about it and more importantly too like we're happy with it you know like it's the record yeah. we wanted to make so yeah where, where was the album launch was that in the valley somewhere yeah so it's at um uh, a little place called king Lear's throne yeah, um the band so. it's it's i don't know if you know the place but yeah it's about yeah, the size no, of yeah, yeah, great. About the size of a phone booth, cut in half, and <laughs> um, but yeah, we we filled it up with our yeah friends and had a great time. So yeah, killer. Yeah, look, I, I enjoy the album. I like your sound actually. Lee sent it through uh, about a fortnight ago or so, and um, look, at first when I was listening to it, I was thinking that you'd incorporated sounds from groups like Refuse, Meshuggah, Sleep, and Electric Wizard. And then I started to think, hang on a sec, there's some Tom Morello in there, there's some Rage Against the Machine. And and then I started to hear the Stone of Groove emerge, which is where I started to go to more of my uh, I Hate God and uh, references from the Phil N. Selmo universe. So, look, I think you've you've got a lot of that, a lot of what I just mentioned in your sound overall, but there's a heap of unique stuff that you guys just do for yourself, particularly with your guitar playing. I've got to say, I do, I am a musician too, and I love the way you're approaching playing your guitar there. So that's my thoughts on the album, just very high level. Uh, do you agree with what I've said? And would you add anything else? Man? Well, first of all, thank you. Like a lot of those comparisons, are, are very humbling, you know, in a way that's, um, that's great. Um, I don't, I'll be honest, a couple of the bands you mentioned, I don't even listen to, or I wouldn't have said are an influence. Um, but certainly, um, you know, I, uh, like you said, Meshuggah, what was one? Uh, I Hate God was one of the ones yeah. you mentioned. I honestly, um, I don't, I, I know the band, I don't listen to them. So <laughs> it's, wow. it's um, yeah, but um, certainly like the Meshuggah, um, sort of all that stoner, groovy sort of stuff, um, the Tom Morello vibes. That was um, kind of an accident, I think. It's just because I use a Digitech Whammy, so it's kind of mm. you can't not sound like Tom Morello if you're using the Whammy, you know. <laughs> yeah, I get you. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Yeah, just talking about your guitar playing though, because you do, you do have a very identifiable sound. It's thank you, man. Yeah, I can hear it. I can hear you. The sort of guitarist that if I walked into a rehearsal room myself, because I'm a bassist, and I heard your tone, I'd be like, fuck, we're going to have a good night tonight. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? Like some guitarists, they want to be slash. Others just don't have anything distinguishable or identifiable. But you've got something which makes you sound like you when you've listened to you for long enough. Is that intentional or is that just something that sort of evolved because, you know, that's just how you play guitar? Yeah, I think it's... um yeah, it's probably just a, a bit of a combination of both, you know. It's 
It's the the sound is because we're only a three piece. The sound is really me trying to make the most of the three piece sound. So mm. I'm not really doing lead breaks because there's no rhythm guitar to back me up. But at the same time, I don't just just want to do rhythm. So that's where all of the sort of weird time signatures and and that thickened sort of you know Digitech whammy like octave sound comes from trying to trying to make the most of only having three people in the band. You know, um, mm. and then yeah, I guess just. You know, like everyone, you try to copy your heroes and you get it slightly wrong, and that's the history of rock and roll pretty much, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, no. I Look, I know as a bassist, like I'm all about Doug Wimbish and uh, Billy Gould, Faith No More, um, these yeah. sort of guys, Les Claypool, these are the guys that I grew up with, and, and, and uh, Norwood Fisher from Fishbone and those guys. And, I'm, mate, I still beat myself up at the end of the night that I didn't nail a lick that I was inspired to try out courtesy of Doug Wimbish playing or something like that. And it's... um. It's that pursuit of glory, I think, isn't it, where you're inspired. You don't really want to be too influenced, but you want to be inspired by these players to sort of play at a level that you perceive that they play at. That's it, yeah. Uh, it's And it's. I think it's sort of, yeah, mashing, mashing your influences together and then seeing what comes out. Like, I really love the insane rhythms and technicality of, like, Dillinger Escape Plan hmm. combined with something like just those hard-hitting grooves of, like, Every Time I Die or, um, you know, the... the it's like weird grooves, but that's still somehow you could nod your head to, like you get in botch. And um, and then like just stonery goodness, like the sword, um, you nice. know, stuff like that. I think when you put all of that together, that sort of, you know, comes out as a Gonzalez song. <laughs> yeah, I like what you just said then. Yeah, the sword. Yeah, I'm just going to pull up because I had a chat to the guitarist in that band a couple of years ago. They're an impressive band, oh, wow. aren't they? Yeah. Uh, God, I, man, I... I've I've um, loved them since Guitar Hero 2. They had a song on Freya. They had a song on Guitar Hero 2. Loved jamming out to that on the old PlayStation 2. And then later nice. on, I was like, oh, I should actually, um, you know, check these guys out because this song's pretty sick. And sure enough, they got a great catalog of music. <laughs> they do, yeah. Kyle, the guitarist, is a good, he's a good bloke too. It always helps when they're a decent fellow to have a chat to for, you know, a quick interview, half great. an hour or whatever it is. But yeah, outstanding yeah. band. That's a, I think you're the first person to actually bring them up as an inspiration. So there you go. Ah, wow, yeah. They they were my sort of intro to, like, that sort of stonery, you know, just, like, big riff sort of sound, um, which now I'm super into. But, yeah, when, when we started as a band doing doing metal, it was it was those guys that sort of pushed me into the sound that we've got. Before that, it was really me just trying to copy Dillinger Escape Plan every time I die, converge and botch, but then, nice. yeah, yep. mixing that with, with that big southern... You know, big southern doomy yeah. riffy stonery goodness. <laughs> I get you. Yeah, yeah. And look, you, you've already mentioned it in terms of the beats that you're using, but look, the, the, they are, there are some gnarly polyrhythms happening there. Like I had to, so you know, you tap things out. I couldn't tap out some of them because they're <laughs> in like you know seven, eight time signatures or something's going on there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, like you know, I wouldn't. I'm not technical that way to be honest with you. I mean, I can play it, but I don't can't count it out properly. For for the purposes of what we're doing here now, having a chat, but sure. <laughs> I mean, look for, from that from that perspective, like, do you do you write a guitar riff and then just think, how can I fuck this up by putting a gnarly <laughs> polyrhythm over it? Is that what happens, or how does that work? Kind of, yeah. So, um, yeah, actually, you pretty you pretty much nailed it. I just really, uh, I don't know. I've I've always said like, if someone asks me, well, you know, what sort of music are you into? I can never really give a genre or something. I usually just say interesting music you know stuff that i if it's something i haven't heard before i want to hear it um so like when i was 
getting into metal and it would be like, you know, System of a Down and then I got into Children of Bodom and that whole melodic sort of death and stuff like that. And then mm. a friend discovered Dillinger Escape Plan and I was like, I've never even heard any band playing anything that wasn't straight four or, you know, like six, eight, 12, eight sort of thing. And I was, so that for me was like, wait, you can do that? You know, I would, mm. if I wrote, if I, I had a friend, I remember specifically where like in high school, and he wrote this riff, and now that I think about it, it was probably accidentally in seven eight or something because we didn't really know how time signatures work. But I said to him, I was like, "No, you can't. You can't do that. Like it's against the rules. You have to be able to to count to four, you know, when you're writing these songs." So um, realizing that, wait, you don't have to do that, and it just opens that door to like a whole other avenue of you know of, of sound and, and rhythm, and uh, it keeps you keeps you guessing. Um, that's what makes music interesting to me is that sort of um, unexpected. You know, sharp turns in a tight tunnel. <laughs> sharp turns in a tight tunnel. I knew you'd have a phrase there to, to sum up what you're doing because that's what it feels like <laughs> at times. Like when, yeah. I don't, look, to be honest, I get, I get, a, I get sent a lot of shit, dude. Really, like so much music, I get sent, and I can imagine. I, I, it's not that I'm not in. I'm, I'm nowhere. Like, it'd be a lie to say I can listen to something for five minutes and I got it figured out because that simply isn't true. Yeah, it takes a couple of days, but your stuff was the type of stuff where it's like, okay, like yeah, this is where I started to think, okay, I can hear refused, uh, I can hear the Meshuggah style thing, like a bit of a yeah. thing coming in, but then it, all these other things started to become revealed, and they do because yeah, you do take very like the the changes are abrupt, and that's a good thing because. <laughs> You're, it feels like as though you're writing and you're going, okay, this is the song and it might be a 4-4 four, four rock song. And then you go back and revisit it with your drummer or with some loops on a, on a, you know, a program or some software or whatever, or an app or what have you. And you think, how could I make this thing so obtuse that, so, so right angled that it's going to sound interesting on, on the hundredth listen. And that's such a big challenge when you're a songwriter, isn't it? Yeah, that's really important to me that uh, you've nailed it there, that I, having that repeatability, you know, if you want to listen to a song a hundred times and you're still learning or you're still hearing new things, you know, some bands will do it with layers, you know, there'll be just so many different instruments or, or, you know, the progression is, is it goes from A to B to C to D and all that sort of thing. The Gonzalez songs really like, if you break the songs down, there's maybe four different ideas in a song, but they're so, yeah, so yeah. mishmashed and kind of, kind of out there. You don't really see it coming. Um, and yeah, trying, <laughs> trying to, keep you guessing on the first listen and hopefully mm. um, still being interested in it, the, the tense and, yeah, you said, going on from there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, and you've sort of alluded to this bit at the upfront of our conversation here, which is you're comparing what you're doing with other bands. Now, I think I know exactly what you're talking about there and I think you might be – okay, so when I say I know exactly, my interpretation is that you're talking about how do you cut through and get your music – to the audience that you know is going to appreciate your music by working out how to work in with social media's algorithm to get the Rage Against the Machine fans, for example, all, I don't know, 50 million that like their bloody Facebook page, just just <laughs> yeah. 1% of that to give you guys a listen and maybe become fans of you guys as well. Is that what you were referring to when you were referring, when you were comparing yourself to other bands? Oh, I think it's um, maybe a bit of that, but, you know, people, uh, it's, it's hard to get people... Uh, to try something new so being able to say oh it's like you know it's like rage mixed with weird time signatures or something like that's a good jumping off point for someone who goes oh I like rage and I like weird time signatures maybe I will give that a shot you know so um, but when you when you mention like social media and such I don't really 
I, I don't know. I, I feel like I've had a bit of success with social media, but um, mm. it's also like it's soul crushing, man. You know, <laughs> the oh, best success is. we've had is honestly just just memes. You know, if you can come up with a couple of good memes that that people sort of um, you know relate to your bands, then that's a good launching point, and you can um, yeah build a maybe not a following, but you build a bit of um, a bit of culture. You know, you get a few a few friends and a few memes together, and you've got a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you seem you struck me as a you know we've only been speaking for fifteen minutes or so, but you strike me as a fairly upbeat and happy type of a person. And I think to be successful depends on, social on the day media, you ask, man. Depends on the day you ask. <laughs> yeah, I know, look, same for me too, man. God, I have shockers some days. And and look, I, I think social media it's just such a hard thing to be consistent with, and that's the key. So you can have success with one meme or one post or whatever, and you're like, wow, I'll do that again, and like four people like it, and you're like, but I gave you what you what worked last time. And yeah. it was my worst subject at uni. Like it was, I think I got like, just got a credit, like 65%, you know, and I'm thinking, why is this thing so difficult to get your head around? It just strikes me as, I reckon, i got to say, as a musician myself, I find that the most, and, and a, probably sorry, far more to the point, a podcaster, and a you know with my with what I'm doing with the website and all that sort of stuff, I find the social media side of things the most challenging aspect of it by far. Is that similar for you? For sure, um, I I think the you tend to look at social media as like the real world. So when you don't get you know a good response from a post or something, you feel like like you do take it really personally, even if it's mm a dumb meme or, you know, you just posting about your album or something. If it doesn't get the response, you do feel rejected, but it's, it's, it's hard to keep that mindset of like, you know, no, there's 8 billion people. Everyone's posting to social. The algorithm is not going to push every post you make. You know, it's, it's yeah. tough to remember that while you're also putting in these high effort posts or, you know, you've spent money and you've spent time and effort on a music video and, or, you know, you put your music on, on YouTube and you post it to, to Facebook or Instagram and it, like it's a handful of likes and it's, yeah, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to remember that every like, even if it's, even if you put a meme up and it gets five likes, that sounds like a failure. But if there are five people in a room and they all specifically said to you, oh man, I love that meme you made, that is uplifting, you know? And it's like, you got to remember that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. It's the same. I, I have a a bit more than a handful of the same people that communicate with me regularly online and they're all offshore they're all outside of australia about the podcast and yeah man i'm just grateful to have that interaction that audience at this point and i get, I get a lot more people listening to the podcast than that but in terms of the people that are highly engaged that's about what i've got and yeah you do sometimes you got to go you know what i don't we don't have big machines behind us you don't have a massive record label behind you like sony and i don't have yeah, exactly i don't have spotify behind me in terms of like joe rogan does so from the perspective, yeah. yeah, there's no advertising dollars here, really, is there? We just get the audience that sort of stumbles over us. Exactly, it's all organic, and and yeah, you just you just got to put stuff out there and and build the audience. Super, it is a super slow process, and we're so used to, you know, with social media and with the internet and such, we're so used to instant gratification. It's hard to, it's, our brains are not designed to be like, okay, let's check in in six months. You know, like that, <laughs> your brain just cannot fathom mm -hmm. that. Yeah. yeah, indeed, yeah. Hey, what, what about lyrical themes on, on the album? Was there anything you, d you decided to address specifically? Uh, it's kind of... Um, I, I, I have a really hard time with lyrics. Um, I kind of feel like I have nothing unique to say. Um, I <laughs> never really was super interested in, in lyrics or poetry or anything like that. Even with my favourite bands, I don't really 
don't really pay attention to the lyrics. It's more of a rhythmic and a, and a sonic device rather than the actual message for the most part. Um, so it, it has taken me a long time to write the lyrics. That's why the record took so long. The music was done for a year before I finished writing the, the lyrics. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it, it kind of, I kind of have this, this default uh, position when writing lyrics where I just seem to stumble into these themes of, um, it's like a combination of societal decay, like we are doomed as a species, but then mm. it's combined with this weird sort of like bittersweet, like maybe we'll make it if we work together. Like it's a weird combination where it's like we're doomed, but you know, maybe not if we're friends and cool to each other. So that's, that's kind of the overarching theme I think of, of beige alert. And it's kind of, um, that's what the title of the album sort of retroactively means. Um, beige alert itself is a line from Futurama, um, as oh, is right. the name okay. of the band, regular Gonzalez. Like it's a joke. But um, Beige Alert sort of retroactively is like, it's, it sort of seems like, especially these days, especially in the last couple of years, it's like, you can really see like the themes of society like kind of falling apart and no one really seems to be that bothered by it. Like we put up a post on Instagram, you know, but like no one really seems to be wanting to do much about it. So it's like, we're not really at a red alert. We're kind of just at a Beige Alert. Like <laughs> that's, that's the, the kind of idea of the album. Yeah, I'm hearing you. Yeah, I mean, God, the amount of conversations that I've had, particularly over the last two years, I'm talking about COVID, um, and you could you just feel the energy being sucked out of people. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah I mean, and even, it, it, it's tough. As, yeah, you can't expect people to be at 100% all the time. And, yeah, a lot of people get, you know, we get burned out, and that's sort of, um, yeah, that's, I guess that's uh, the vibe of the, the lyrical stuff is, yeah, man, it's just, it's hard, dude. <laughs> What's next for you guys then? Okay, so you've been able to play at King's King Lear's Throne. I think I saw a photo of you guys playing at Vinnie's. So you've, you've got yeah, playing, we were there last week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're playing the places you can't play. Really, is there the possibility, God willing, of interstate touring and that sort of thing? Uh, I'd love it. Um, I haven't really done it uh, many. Uh, I haven't. Oh, look, I'll be honest. I haven't really travelled much in my life. I'm very much a stay in one place sort of person. I never got the <laughs> travel bug. You know, when I was. <laughs> coming up or anything but I'd love to I'm open to it it just it there's, there's only three of us we don't have management we don't really have anyone working for us and you know sort of advocating for us so it would all be up to me essentially and it's just man it's a lot of work and it's a lot of it'd be a lot of learning for me I don't really know much about it I'm interested um, but it's going to be a, a long process if it happens although I'd love to you know <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you're doing what you can. You've got a day job. You know, you got to kill a band here. It sounds like as though four triple Z are behind you as well. Is that is that the case? You're getting some airplay there. Yeah, we've got some airplay from um, from a few shows on four triple Z, which I'm very grateful for. Daniel from uh, the metal show. I think it's called Valley of Death now. They just changed the name. And um, Michelle, who used to be on the show, has stepped down, and they've got um, the uh, I think I'm gonna get the name wrong. The Doom Hippie or the something like that. Um, right. I haven't listened to the show since it changed hands because it's all very fresh and new. But um, Daniel's always been a big fan of the band. He gives us spins when we, um, when we put new songs out. Uh, we've got Jodie Flange. We've been talking recently um, on the punk show. She's given us some spins, so much appreciated in that regard. So yeah, nice. a bit of 4ZZZ support as well. Also, um, we're part of the Schema Collective, uh, which is a group of Brisbane bands, sort of putting on gigs and trying to you know build that community of of, of weird sort of off kilter musicians who don't really <laughs> fit in properly anywhere else. Um, so, you know, we've got uh, good support from our, from our schema collective, um, uh, brothers and, um, yeah, just, uh, schema and triple Z are going to be working together hopefully. And, okay. um, yeah. 
as I say, brother, you're doing what you can. You got a killer release here. I mean, anybody who, Thank who you, man. anybody who enjoys hard hitting rock and metal, it's not that it's not that it, when I say with a twist, you know, that's a cliche. What I'm saying is is that if you love listening to very well written hard rock and metal that takes you in directions that you don't expect. I don't know whether anybody's doing what you got better than what you guys are doing right now. So that that's that's wow, how it's thank you, man. I really appreciate that. You know. Yeah, oh, look, occasionally you hear a record like yours and you're like, you should like I've got to say this occasionally, not very often, but you should actually be far bigger than what you are in terms of you should have more attention than what you've got. But you you're fighting you're battling against all of the same things that we all are out there on the social media algorithms and stuff. And look, I think fate plays its ruthless hand as well. You know, um, yeah, of course. It's it's hard to cut through the noise. Like everyone's everyone's trying to trying to get somewhere, and um, and, and yeah, that's it's that's just part of the game. You know, you just got to keep plugging away and and pushing it to people who are interested. Um, I think what helps is yeah, not having that. Uh, I I don't want to criticize any bands, but you do get a lot of bands who have that. They're using the same presets. They're using the same drum triggers, drum sound. They're using the same compression techniques and the same recording techniques. And the records do kind of all melt together and they sound the same. Whereas we're completely independent. Like I recorded and mixed and mastered the whole thing just myself. It's in the garage. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you know, it's, there's no auto tune. There's no, okay, I'm, I'm almost lying. There's a bit of sample replacement of the drums, but not much. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just yeah. tried to make it sound a bit unique and, and try to make it not sound like all the, you know, not top 40 metal, but, you know, that sort of ultra polished yeah. sort of vibe. It's, it's kind of messy. We're not really perfectly in time there's a couple of mistakes but you know <laughs> that's, no, that's, that's good. what real like musicians that. sound like it is, it is what real musicians sound like yeah, I get fed up with all this quantized bullshit I can't listen to it actually <laughs> can't touch it you know and any, any as soon as I mean the worst album that came out in recent memory even though it was a few years ago now was that Metallica album Death Magnetic and it's fatiguing man it's hard you can't listen to more than a couple of tracks you get burned out immediately yeah you get it I can't do it I mean you put it on in the car and it's just like this wall of Lars you know <laughs> and, and that's you man like, nobody wants a wall of Lars <laughs> no no I, I wish Lars would just step out of that bloody band and let someone like um, Chris Adler come in um, oh man, hit, know, up, from, hit up our socials for more for more Lars bashing because we're always coming up with some Lars bashing memes. Oh my god, yeah. Look, it's, <laughs> I've done, I've done, you know, I've done fairly long, and I've done like when I was in four triple Z, I did Metallica shows and stuff. And you can, you, when you really listen to that band, you can hear the devolution of them, courtesy of Lars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you can hear him sort of peak in around 1986, and then yep. just get worse. <laughs> You can hear him get you can hear him get richer and you can <laughs> and like caring less, you know, like <laughs> with all with all due respect to people who might be follically challenged, you can hear as his hairline recedes, he just gets worse. It must be oh, like right. four or something. Well, you look, know, I within. take issue with that as a as a follically challenged individual. I take oh, issue sorry. with that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I put my foot in it there. Um, but, <laughs> but but Lars is just I mean, look, they got one of the best rock and metal bass players of all time in the group these days, and you can't you can't hear him on album. It's just so yeah. strange. Like, just, I, I, don't, I don't get that band's I don't get that band's success at all I just don't No, I, I never I never got into them when I was younger um, so maybe like for some people it's a nostalgia thing but I just yeah I don't um, there's, there's, yeah I just don't get that 
that that sound and I think get what interests people about that band. <laughs> no, look, I was I was a kid when uh, so I'm 43 and uh, I didn't get into them and Lightning and Puppets was way too young then. But Black was the album that came out when I was about 13. So of course everybody got into that. But then I listened to it and I thought they've got to have some other shit. So I went back and got the other two albums and spun them for the next few <laughs> years continuously, like um, the Rot Lightning and Puppets. I did do that. I'm not saying I didn't because I did, but. Yeah, you sort of you you mature a bit from the perspective that you start wanting to listen to more technical stuff, and you find bands like Morbid Angel and shit, which is what happened to me, and uh, black metal and stuff, and uh, you start thinking, God, they're they're a gateway band at best, Metallica, but they're just a lot of people's <laughs> gateway band. <laughs> yeah, we could have been listening to Meshuggah that whole time, and where do they start? Like eighty nine or something? Like we could have. <laughs> You're not instead wrong. Instead of instead of Metallica, it could have been the sugar this whole time. <laughs> oh, as soon as I heard shit like "At the Gates" and "In Flames" and stuff back in those days, like back in those days, I was <laughs> like, "Well, I, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense." Like he literally dropped Metallica like a baby. It was like it's done. Yeah, it's he's gone. Just like, oh, great! I don't need these. I don't need these guys anymore. I've got uh, good music. <laughs> yeah, it just sounded out. It, honestly, to be honest, it just sounded completely out of date when I heard Carcass and stuff. I was like. This this actually sounds like like it. This is the music that I like, you know. And Morbid yeah, Angel sure. was very heavy, obituary, all of that stuff, you know. It was like I, yep. I kind of understand that the, the um, it's drinking music, Metallica. I think at best. I don't know whether I just don't know. As I say, man, we've already said it, but I just how many people like that band and casual metal fans like they don't like any other metal band, but I love Metallica. It's like how how is that the band? Why isn't it? I don't yeah. know. Like we're saying, Meshuggah. Like what happened? <laughs> but anyway. I um, I don't, I don't want to explain it. Yeah, that's <laughs> us. Yeah, me, me and you just saying how about uh, Metallica is I'm sure riveting uh, riveting podcast material if we keep going down that road. <laughs> oh, look, it, it, it comes up a lot actually. And and look, <laughs> the thing, thing about Metallica is look, they're, they're the gift that keeps on giving from a from an information and content perspective. So, you, sure, you, you know. Yeah. But, but mate, look, we'll finish up. And and in terms of your social presence, and I always ask this of the audience: support the band by purchasing physical product because that money goes directly to you guys. Well, I certainly hope it goes directly to you guys. So, how can they do that? Yeah, sure, man. So um, we we do have a website. It's I update it uh, when I remember and, and when I figure out how to. But I'm pretty sure the web store works at the moment. So. You can go to uh, regulargonzalez.net. Um, we do have a store on there where you can buy uh, the new album. You can buy shirts. Uh, we also have like print on demand on, I think there's a link on their website, but um, so like a print on demand store, there's no upfront cost to us, us which is great. Um, we only get like three or $4 per shirt, but we don't have to spend a thousand dollars to make, you know, a whole bunch of shirts first. So, yeah. you know, that's cool too. Uh, Bandcamp, whenever there's like a Friday, you know, when they waive their fees, that's awesome. Uh, all the music that's on Bandcamp is all pay what you want. Get it for free if you want. I'm honestly, you know, we're, we're not at the point where where making money is a serious, you know, thing. It might get us some beer money here and there, but we're not mm-hmm. really pushing for it. We just want to, you know, spread the, spread the riff, man. <laughs> You're doing a good job, mate. And, uh, yeah, I'm on the website now. There's plenty of T-shirts there. Um, you got your CDs there, twenty five bucks. Yeah, cool. You got. Wood. We will have vinyl for the new album as well, which is super exciting. There's oh, wow. just like a global vinyl shortage. I don't know. I I submitted the order in like October, and they're like, yeah, maybe next year. So like, it's coming. If you're interested in vinyl and you like our sound, it sounds super thick. Like the test pressing went great. 
Uh, I really like it, but yeah, it's just uh, it'll it'll be a while yet. But certainly, if you like it, follow us, and and we'll keep you updated. Yeah, blame Adele. She's literally the individual that has caused this global vinyl shortage. You know that? Because was it Adele's fault? I'll give her a call. I'll have a word with her. It's I, I, <laughs> I can't understand it. I mean, her audience. I, they do, I mean, vinyl is for engaged musical fans, not for Adele fans. Yeah. So I, I mean, but apparently yeah. there was some. Look, hey, you only know what you read, and you don't know where the source comes from. But apparently there was something like a couple of hundred thousand pre-orders of vinyl from from her, which basically sucked yeah, right. every other band dry, except for maybe hey Metallica and those bands. Um, well, that you know Adele, like they've got a global audience, so whatever they put out will sell out you know so that's if they decided to do vinyl then of course the world is going to run out of vinyl that's just that's just how it goes <laughs> yeah there must be a lot of depressed young ladies or ladies out there on their third chardonnay pressing click i want that vinyl that's all i can think because that's isn't that who listens to her i mean i couldn't I've, i'm in a covers band so i've played a bunch of her stuff but it clears the floor it's not wow, like that's it's, interesting yeah it's a bit like it's the other band that does it as the chili peppers and um <laughs> It's weird. You think, hey, there's millions of fans out there for different reasons. Yeah, it's like you play anything else but um, Under the Bridge by Chili Peppers, it clears the floor. And Adele, you play some of this stuff and people like the Rolling in the Deep song or whatever and people are like, hey, I don't want to stay on the dance floor and dance to this. And you're like, but you buy this shit or listen to it at the very least. Don't you want to hear it now? No, they don't. They want to hear Kaysan. Well, uh, (laughs) who can blame them? Kaysan, come on. (laughs) <laughs> oh well but uh, look killer stuff mate yeah um, enjoy it you can tell uh, thank you for the conversation I'll, um, I'll thank just thank you man thanks for taking an interest and um, and yeah thanks for the chat of course oh well there you have it and sorry to all of the Adele and Red Hot Chili Pepper fans out there but yeah I've seen it with my own eyes behind the bass guitar as soon as we play either artist the dance floor clears and we can't have that being covers musicians My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. Thanks so much for tuning in to that conversation with Jesse from the outfit, Regular Gonzalez, talking about the album Beige Alert. I hope you're having a great festive season. You had a a tremendous Christmas, and you're looking forward to doing something special on New Year's Eve. If you listen to this before New Year's Eve, if you listen to it after New Year's Eve 2022, I hope it was a good one. It's bye for now.